I'm just going to focus a second at a time and, and I'm going to keep doing a second at a time until my body either fails or I get to the end. And I really love that one. This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. When you get to a race and you step on the start line, how nervous do you feel? Are you someone that feels a high amount of anxiety? Or are you someone that manages to keep it under control? In our experience, no matter what level athlete you are, everyone gets to the start line and feels some sort of nervousness, fear, anticipation of the hurt that's going to come or more. And this is where it's vital that you practice owning your mindset. So today, we're going to be talking about the top mental toughness strategies that we use. Now, before we get into the episode, in many of our podcasts, we emphasize the significance of proper nutrition for peak performance during races and training rides. Meet SIS or Science in Sport, a brand we endorse and personally use ourselves. SIS offers an array of energy products like gels, bars, hydration, carbs, and protein solutions, all aimed at optimizing athlete performance and recovery. Their products also undergo rigorous band substance testing, assuring athletes of their safety and quality. Our top pick is the new beta rate fuel range, which has been an absolute game changer for us and our athletes. Why do we love it? It's an ideal 1 to 0.8 maltodextrin to fructose ratio. It's 40 grams of carbs per gel, almost double most of the market, and sachets with 80 grams of carbs in each of them, meaning fewer bottles to carry while getting more fuel in. For being a listener of the podcast, for the next four weeks, we're giving you access to 15% off their range of products. All you need to do is go to Science in Sport retail page at scienceinsport.com.au and use the code TRIVELOPODCAST SIS when you check out. Now, that's capital SIS and we'll put that link and the Travelo code in the description. This episode is also brought to you by our proud sponsor, Giant Australia. For all your bike, training and racing needs, ride life, ride giant. Dad, welcome to the episode. Let's go with our starting segment. What are you grateful for? Thanks, George. Mine's very brief this week. I'm so happy to see the end of winter in the Southern Hemisphere in sunny Victoria, Melbourne, <laughs> um, while the rest of Europe is just basking in glorious temperatures. Um, we've just been very quietly trying to survive the winter and spring is here and I love spring and I can't wait for summer. So I'm very grateful that we've got through winter and we've made the most of all the things that uh, have um, come our way and not come our way in terms of uh, um, we had a period there with no heating in our house for three weeks. Um, that was an interesting period. So yeah, it's been a bit of a battle getting through winter, but I'm um, quite happy to see the end of it, to be quite frank. Yeah. And I like what you said there about it's a real simple gratitude and mine's very simple this week as well. It's just, uh, I found myself being really grateful for the iPhone this week. I just think it's an absolutely brilliant device and so grateful for it. And on that note, I kind of wanted to touch on why we actually do the, the gratitude segment. It's kind of a funny thing to include at the start of a podcast. And we really originally really brought it in because we're really passionate about athletes' mental health and triathletes, endurance athletes. Uh, we're a special breed and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and can sometimes, it can be all consuming, you know, the the dedication to a race, the dedication to training, um, and the mental health of an athlete is actually really important. And you are constantly preaching that if if it's not going well, if it's not going right, if you're not enjoying it, then stop. You know, this sport, training, racing, isn't everything. And that's a funny thing for us to say because it's it's our jobs, it's our livelihood, and it's our business. But um, the mental health of an athlete is really important, and we understand how gratitude can really impact that. And so that's why we do include it at the start of an episode, even though we kind of drag it on a bit sometimes. Um, sometimes it's just okay to have a really simple gratitude, like I'm grateful for water or I'm grateful that I have food on the table. Or sometimes it's something more meaningful, which you know we talk about in the podcast. But 
this came it's ironic that I said let's do a short gratitude and now I'm going right into a a big speech about it but um, but I did want to make this point because uh, I think Mo at the world champs over the weekend um, she had an interesting post-race interview where she spoke about the fact that her mental health had kind of been suffering because she's the reigning Olympic and world 800 meter champion um, there was so much speculation around the world champs whether she was even going to Budapest or not uh, her coach Bobby Kurter is quite renowned for making some funny decisions, for being quite discreet, for not giving much information away. And she said in the post-race interview, she actually had to delete social media because she wasn't coping with the amount of talk and speculation around her training and her racing. And like she didn't fly into Budapest until very late. Um, she hasn't raced all season. Um, and it kind of showed a little bit in the final where maybe a lack of you know, racecraft and practice uh, impacted her tactics. And she came third, which for her is probably a disappointing result, again, given she's the reigning Olympic and world champion. But I just thought her point was very interesting in two parts. One, because the mental health of athletes is really important, whether you're a professional or not. Um, again, it was a reminder for me for why we focus on this and why we do this segment. And yeah, I don't think we'll go into it too much more, but she did make a point about how she didn't like the social commentary. And I found that a bit um, contrasting because as an athlete, you know, it's an entertainment sport. As much as athletes want to do it for the love when they're a professional to get paid by brands and endorsement deals, um, the entertainment, the crowd side of it comes comes as part of it. And the fans, the talk around it, the speculation, the the podcasts that come out of it, the TV shows that come out of it, um, it's all kind of kind of part of the journey. And so um, by no means does she have to respond to anyone or does she need to comment on anyone on social media? She owes us nothing. Um, but I think I guess we want to make the point that we love commenting on on athletes and, and what they're doing. Um, but for us it's from a place of um, love of the sport and it's never judging the person or um, judging an athlete just solely on the, on their ability and what they do on the track. And look, just bring it back to the, the idea that we've had right from day one and we're into episode number 186, I think, um, is to always try to think about uh, a perspective from where we are and gratitude really makes you stop and think about, well, what am I? Even, even when you and I say, what are we grateful for today? We have to think about what things are going okay or not going okay in our lives and and that's what the gratitude is it's to make you stop and think and and get perspective of how lucky you are or if things aren't going so well there's still something that you know is still going well in your life to to uh, inspire you enough to keep going and, and do a better job each day and I think if you if you just stop and think and I know there's people coming up to me talking about the podcast and saying they love the gratitude segment it makes them think about what what's happening in their lives at that current time and and really forces them to be grateful for the the good things that are happening yeah totally agree and it kind of ties in well with the podcast uh, topic today which is mental toughness before we get into that uh, what's caught our attention we do want to just quickly touch on the end of the world champs uh, last week and um, we kind of were asking the question what's Jakob Ingebrigtsen going to do in the 5k after losing the 1500 and uh, turns out he really was sick you know um, there was no doubt about that he really could not perform up to his normal standard and he ran a brilliant race running to what his body could do, which we were kind of asking that question about the 1500. If he was sick, why did he lead from the front? You know, and he, and he definitely changed his tactic and got that right in the 5K. And he just hung on for the whole race and then did everything he could in that last lap. And boy, that was a gutsy win. And the commentator, I think, put it perfectly said that's one of his best wins he's ever had given the circumstances. Yeah. And it really brought home, I think we talked in our previous podcast about, uh, lowering your expectations and racing to how you feel mm. and boy this was a great example of someone who only did just enough to win and not or in his interview post-race interview he said i tried to protect myself for 4999 meters so that <laughs> yeah. I, I was only in front for one meter and that's exactly what happened he passed the spanish the unlucky spanish guy who probably thought he had it with a meter to go so 
you know, really brilliantly um, executed race uh, once again. And and coming back from adversity, the disappointment for to have to lose the 1,500 metres t- two years in a row and then come back out and you're still not 100% and actually take the victory. And he's been asked about, you know, what do you prefer, the 1,500 or the 5K? He said, I just want to win the fight, the fifteen hundred. <laughs> I, I am better suited to the five k, mm. and I've proved that time and time again. But my desire is to prove that I can do it as a fifteen hundred meter runner, and I'm not going to stop until I achieve that. Yeah, and I just love that attitude of um, of openly saying that. You know, that's what I, my goal is. I haven't achieved it, and I'm going to do everything I can to come back again and, and do it again. And and for us mere mortal age groupers i think that's that's really good advice from someone who's a you know at the top of their game in the world and probably one of the the most outstanding runners from for years who hasn't been successful and and you know people think that everybody's successful all the time well they're not and you only have to look at the world triathlon championships in finland to prove that um in the male race that you know if you have an off day some unknown is going to win and and that's exactly what happened and and I love that because, you know, you go into every event, there's no script that says this is what's going to happen. You know, in the women's race, I suppose Taylor Nib was expected to win and mm-hmm. Kat Matthews was expected to be close there as well. And it, mm-hmm. it proved that that was the result. But certainly the men's race was tipped upside down. And yeah. and I just love that because that's that's what gives everybody a, an opportunity and a chance to – that's what racing and competition is about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And talk about being flexible and adapting yourself, um, and not just adapting your race plan but adapting your lead-up. You know, Jakob kind of mentioned that rather than doing his normal pre-race routine in the days leading up where he'd go for some recovery jobs, he'd go for some real short, light speed work, he basically spent three days in bed just trying to do everything he could to recover. You know, that is, that is a totally different race preparation for a world championship race and he had to just accept that with his fate do it, do what was necessary and turn up on race day giving his best shot. And a lot of people would turn up going, how am I going to win this race when I've just spent three days in bed recovering? You know, it's completely throwing his routine out of whack. But yeah, again, huge credit to his mental toughness to do that, to be out of his routine, to be out of what he would normally like to do and still win. Well, most people would use that as this is the reason why I don't think I'm going to go well. Instead, Mm. he didn't do that. He just did the best he could. Uh, on the day and it wasn't good enough it was nearly good enough but you know in the end he nearly got passed by the whole field if it had gone another three or four meters in the 1500 he would have you know, being eighth place instead of just hanging on for second. Mm. Yeah. Um, for the world has started, we won't talk about that too much, but it's been a pretty hectic start. It's been four stages. I think stage five is today when we're recording this. And boy, there's been some drama in the first four stages. You know, it started with the team's time trial where it was just horrific conditions. It was absolute pelting thunderstorms. Teams were falling down everywhere. Team Jacob Alula, the entire eight riders came down in a crash. Like <laughs> It was just like on ice skates. Um, so every stage has had some sort of drama with you know, course outline, bad um, bad kind of uh, race planning from the race organizers, uh, the first hilltop finish on stage three, um, the media were just so close to the finish line, Remco Evnepol just ran straight into him and almost cracked his head open. Uh, it's been pretty wild start and the riders aren't happy about it, but I just kind of, the only point I wanted to make was it's a pretty exciting race, it's got a great lineup, we've got the team member Visma absolutely stacked, Remco Evnepol who hasn't actually raced Vingegaard yet, um, Garrett Thomas is in there, uh, what are your predictions for who's going to win this race because it's a very exciting field to start. Yeah, look, the Welter's always a ripper, I reckon, because the unpredictable happens the whole time and uh, Remco's 
kind of been very outspoken um, for rider safety. Um, the team's time trial ended up riding in the dark. Um, mm. The weather is is out of the organisers' control. That's mm-hmm. that's that's nothing they can do about it. But the the course selection for a team time trial with that many turns, we're not actually getting to see who the best team time trial team mm. is because mm-hmm. they're not getting to ride, you know, on long straight stretches of road where they can actually show their craft. Um, the technicalities and plus the weather make it a completely unpredictable outcome depending on when you started and how bad the rain was when you when your time to race was. And because there's so many teams, it's such a wide range of time between each team starting and they've got different conditions. So so it's a kind of, you know, having the darkness, that was ridiculous. I mean, it's bad enough to to race, you know, in the rain, but then to race in the rain when it's dark, you can't you can't literally see. It's it's not a fair and equal uh, event, I don't think. And and then, you know, Remco <laughs> taking the victory, which was fantastic on that hill clop uh, finish, and then running straight into the, the media pack and landing and cutting his head. Um, you know, just so many things that are avoidable um, that are ruining the race almost. So hopefully that's the end of that and uh, we can get on with uh, a race that has ooh, so many options that can happen and uh, look, Remco's looking fantastic, isn't he? Uh, but, you know, as we know, it's a long time between now and three weeks' time. And, uh, look, I just think uh, um, Yumbo Visma have got so many cards to play. I just can't see them not winning this. It'll be, it'll be a pretty, up, pretty good effort for uh, for Remco, Remco to, yeah. to knock, knock them off, I reckon. Uh, you know, one man against a full team, it's like... This is this is going to take some uh, mental toughness. I, I can guarantee it. For, you know, so far he's stood up already. So let, let's see how we go. One of my predictions is um, that Yumbo could potentially use Sepkus to their advantage because Remco has to watch Roglic and Vingard, and Sepkus is just as good as them. And if he's not doing all the work on the front, you know, if he can conserve himself a little bit more, he has a chance to go off the front. And Remco can't chase him every time, so he could be a little bit of a wild card just to just to see what he does because he, he keeps being the domestique and he keeps coming ten top ten in these Grand Tours as a domestique doing all the work so that'll be interesting um and That's the last really point good, yeah go really good point on him because uh on that hilltop finish he actually attacked the bunch and mm. got away mm. um and then he got dragged back in so that was that was them already doing that tactic so yeah yeah spot on yeah and i mean i just want to make a point of the team's time trial not many people have probably had the experience of doing a team time trial but i would say it is the most heart in mouth type of riding you can do when you're you are riding that's fast on a tt bike in the tt bars position where you're not touching the brakes and you have to be an inch from the person's wheel behind you because if you're the further back you are the more chance you are getting dropped you know and the speed that those guys are riding add in the wet element to it you know it's the only time on the bike where i feel like the adrenaline is so high not just from the race but from the fear of crashing um i just can't even imagine what they were going through in that race and um, yeah, it was it was really quite wild. Moving on to the actual topic, and you know, we we want to look at some mental toughness strategies that we use uh, to really help ourselves and, and help our athletes. And it has to be said that again, most endurance athletes don't have a problem with mental toughness. I, in fact, I'd say most of the time it's the other way around that we're too stubborn and end up making stupid decisions that probably aren't good for us. But regardless, we want to talk about some things that can really help when the going gets tough. And the first one you wrote down, uh, I couldn't agree with more. It's probably one of my favorite things. Um, and it's something that you know, Jakob actually proved he had to he had to go through uh, in race one, and that's control what you can control and let go of things that you can't control. People think mental toughness is the opposite to that. I think that I think there's two camps here. People think to be mentally tough, no matter what's happening to you, you just have to keep going the same way with the same effort, with the same intensity. 
And I, I don't think that's what mental toughness really stands for. Mental toughness is being vulnerable enough to change your mind and make better decisions. That's, a, that's someone who's mentally tough with um, not worrying about what some other people might say about the decision they made to take a different tack instead of the usual full bore, let's just go as hard as we can until we break. And so controlling the controllables means you have to actually think outside the square as if there is roadblocks put in front of you such as illness or an injury or someone knocks you in the 800 and you you lose five meters from the position you were in and and you know the, woe is me could be the attitude where if you control the controllables okay i'm now in a worse position how can i rectify that and move myself into a better position that's the mentally tough athlete that we're talking about the one who can be put in a, a situation or a position not what they want and and then being able to be tough enough to think their way around the roadblock that's being put in front of them. And I think that's the, the measure of a really mentally tough person who can control the controllables and things that are distracting them from that is to, to rid, them of their, rid that from their mind and just concentrate on the things that, um, that they can do about the situation they find themselves in. Such a great starting point and I really love that we're reversing the definition a little bit. We're not trying to be, yeah, we're not, we say the word mental toughness, but it's not being tough for the sake of being tough. You know, it's it's being, uh, yeah, brave enough to to make the right decision for yourself. Um, brave enough to either when when, it, when it's really hurting to push through or brave brave enough to know if it's hurting and it's unhealthy to, to let go and, and make that decision. Number two is that you will learn more from your failures than your successes and you can't actually grow without mistakes. That's a really, really big one. We've spoken about this with age groupers, but we expect perfection of ourselves when pro athletes can't even achieve perfection. It takes some mental toughness to actually admit that you made a mistake in the first place. Um, you know, again, the vulnerability that I talked about in point number one, again, if you can, the more honest you are with your performances, the better you're going to be. And it, it takes some sort of mental fortitude to learn and listen and see and watch the mistakes that you've made so that you can actually not do them again and get a better outcome and learn from the things that you did poorly such as uh, preparation the night before the, the nutrition you had on the race day the the intensity you rode at or ran at or swam at um, the execution method you used the numbers that you are trying to race your plan around they're all things that you should be analyzing um, and therefore finding out whether you did them well or poorly. And, and even if you did get the outcome that you wanted, search for things that you could do better. Looking at the things, you mis the mistakes you made, you have to be some sort of really strong-willed person to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, yeah, put my hand up. I didn't do that so well. I should be able to do better from that from next time so that you actually do learn from uh, the things that you're, that you're doing not so well. And and in my opinion, that's another sign of someone who's really mentally tough, who's able to self-analyze in a critical way that's going to be helpful to making an improvement. Yeah, again, couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, the next strategy is uh, something that's actually probably more a specific strategy in the race, and it's something that we love to talk about. And it's shifting your focus to everything away from the fatigue. So when when it's really hurting, when you're really in that deep dark zone in the in the middle or normally three quarters of the race, you know the finish line is not quite close enough that you can get that second wind. Um, that's when it's most important to be on top of your mindset and your your mental strategy. And you have the onus on you, and you have the responsibility to shift your focus there to not how much this is hurting. God, this is hurting. How long have I got to go? This is so painful. I need to slow down to something else. And 
sometimes there's the notion of athletes feeling bored in a race or letting that fatigue overcome them and we really want to shift their focus to other processes. Yeah, we always talk about being in the moment and and that's that's a, a thing that's quite difficult to do because um, as you get fatigue, your mind wanders away from the, the main process target that you've actually should be focusing on and and it takes some sort of concentration to get that mindset back to where it should be. And if you can do that, it's actually going to help you perform better. Um, so, so letting your mind wander and just drift off because you're tired. And, and in endurance sports, that is, that is something that happens a lot. As you get tighter, you lose focus and your mind wanders. And all of a sudden, you might find yourself looking out if you're on a bike ride out in the, a bike race out in the countryside, you, you actually are looking at, the farm animals on the on the properties instead of concentrating on your cadence power and and your heart rate and the things that are actually going to help you get through the the pain period or the fatigue that you are actually feeling the longer the event goes the better athlete who has more mental concentration and we can call that toughness if you like they will get a better outcome because they are consistently concentrating on the things that are get that are and going to enable them to get through the hard patches in the race. And and we look at strategies such as what pace am I doing? What's the wind doing? Am I on a hill? Is there a gradient? Um, you know, what's my pedaling technique? What's my running technique form like? What's my swim stroke doing? Um, am I holding good form? These are things that you can consistently ask yourself that will distract you from the actual pain and fatigue that continues to grow every minute of the the entire event and i think if you can if you can do that that is someone who has got really good mental toughness yeah it's um it's so key and the more you focus on that it actually becomes impossible to focus on the fatigue because there's so many things that you are trying to process at once and actually you know when we have athletes all the time say so that when they're focusing on that and they're not letting their mind wander the race just flies by and yeah, you can keep asking yourself these questions. Am I relaxed? How's my breathing? Am I breathing shallow? Can I can I relax my breathing? Can I relax my body and my form here? What's my lap pace currently? What's my, my current pace or current power? My lap power versus my lap power? Um, what part of the segment am I on? Do I need to... When's the next segment finishing? When's the next segment starting? Like what K am I up to? Or what, what part of the course am I in? Is there a turn coming up? All these things. Uh, how fast am I going into the turn? Am I concentrating coming out of the turn? Um, yeah, if you really wanted to, you could focus on a lot of things outside of the actual fatigue. We get so many people, Jordan, um, who have come to our program and we give them all of that information you just blurted out there, which is quite detailed. And they, the, the number one thing that I get them after they've finished, uh, they say to me is, I can't believe how fast the race went. Because for the first time in my entire triathlon career or marathon career, I was concentrating on things that were important and the majority of other times I'm concentrating on how much further is it? How can I last any more than, than you know, where's the finish line? And, and for the first time in their life, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about things that are going to enable them to get to the finish line rather than worrying about where the finish line is. I can tell you that I've stood on the start line myself many times and just said, oh, here comes you know, 30 minutes of pain in a, in a certain race or here comes an hour of pain. And when you get into that, it's a real bad thought to have. Whereas what you'll find is exactly what you're saying. If you're in a cycling race or something, there's so much going on and you just can't believe how you look down and it's the 10-minute mark and then you're focusing on what your positioning, attacks are happening. You're, you're focusing on your power. You're controlling yourself. And suddenly you look down and it's 30 minutes and you just can't believe where 20 minutes have gone and 
that's a better mindset to have rather than thinking of, oh, I can't believe the pain it's about to, to come in this race. The next one is take control. We, you wrote uh, we just before we finish. Sorry, George, just before we finish that one, um, one of our buddies who's been on the podcast actually, uh, a really experienced, uh, you know, ex-pro, he often said that you should be as mentally fatigued as you are physically fatigued after a race. And if you aren't, it means you actually haven't concentrated. And and that is what mental toughness is. Um, you know, it's actually a mental thing that you have to concentrate on, um, the strategies that we've talked about. And, and you know, I often say that now because of what he told me uh, when I was just starting my writing career, you know, 30 years ago, was that I should be, you know, just the same fatigue factor physically as mentally. And I just found that a really strange thing to say. Uh, how can you be so tired mentally from a physical uh race and once you understand that concept then and you execute that strategies of thinking of about the things we talked about there pace form particular stages of the of the course you're on and and if you're thinking like that you know you will be quite fatigued mentally at the end of the race and the beauty is it's a skill so you can practice it which is um which is awesome because the more you practice it the, the better you get at it the next one is and you wrote this down and i really like it it's take control of your own destiny and don't leave it in the hands of others so what does that mean to you there's a couple of ways to look at it um i often say to to uh guys who are in a maybe a criterium race or a road race what's your goal today are you going to be a spectator or you're going to be a participant and people say what do you mean by that so you're going to have an impact on the race or you're going to follow so as a follower, you're leaving the result in the hands of other people. As a player, a participant, you're taking control of your own destiny and and not leaving in the hands of others. And if they if they decide that the race is going to take an easier section and, and you just go along with that instead of going, no, I don't want it to be easy now. I want it to be hard because that's the strategy I need to do because I can't sprint and I need it to be hard the whole race so that when they get to the sprint, the sprinters are so tired that I've got a chance in the sprint if that comes to that. So so that's an example of of not leaving it to others and taking control of your own destiny. And and I just think that another example that I'm trying to get across is if if you see someone else pass you in a in a uh, in a marathon or a half marathon or whatever running race you're in or or cycling time trial that you're in, do you immediately try to pick up the pace and match theirs? And there's a whole lot of questions you have to ask. Where am I in the, the section of the race? Is it early? Is it late? Um, which will decide whether you do do that uh, choice of following someone else's destiny or pacing. And this is a question that can only be answered at the time of the event. So, so there are times when you need to do that because that's what racing is. You need to focus on the people who are actually passing you and you're near the end and you need not to let them get away from you. So you have to lift your pace to, to match that so that you can actually win. Or early in the race, if they do that, that you have the control to say that that pace is unsustainable and good luck to them if they can keep that up because if I follow that so early in the race, I'll end up blowing up myself and I'll get a worse result. So understanding when to take control of your own destiny and when to actually race the race is is really mentally tough and takes a lot of self-control. Um, and, you know, it, it sounds an easy thing to do. Oh, I'll just, I'll just follow my own pathway here. But sometimes you actually need to race the race as well. Um, and I'm forever telling athletes just before their event, we've got a great race plan in place, um, but don't forget, it's a race. We don't want you to be restricted or dictated to by the plan we've put in place. The plan is there to guide you 
at the start of the event to prevent you from making catastrophic mistakes that could end up you walking at the end. So, so we want you to use the plan as a guide and then race the race so that you can actually improve on your previous performances. The next strategy is one for when it's, and this is one of my favorite strategies, it's for when it's the absolute toughest part of the race and it's for when you are really hurting the most uh, and it's called the one second rule and I got it from our man, uh, David Goggins. But it's, for me, I find this the most useful when um, when you're really in a world of pain and it's when you've got, you know, a certain, when the race is, yeah, three quarters of the way through, you're still not near the finish, you're really hurting or even as you're getting close to the finish, you start to have bad thoughts about, can I hold this? The fatigue's too much. That strategy of kind of focusing on the process is start to go out the window because the lactic is so, so high that you can't even think straight or you think all you're feeling is the pain. And when you think of the task as so big that, oh, I've still got 2K left to run. I've still got 5K left to run. It can be overwhelming and you can go, of course, I need to slow down. It's just too far. But the one second rule is breaking it down to, okay, I don't know how long I can hold this for. It seems unsustainable. It seems really hard and um, I'm actually, it's hurting so much. I don't know if I can last the finish like this, but can I do one more second? Yes, I can. And each time it's just tricking yourself. Can I do one more second? And it's just really breaking it down to a second at a time. And I don't care what happens in 100 meters. I don't care what happens in 500 meters or a K. I'm just going to focus on a second at a time and, and I'm going to keep doing a second at a time until my body either fails or I get to the end. And I really love that one. Especially if you're in a situation, I can use the example of uh, some really key points in a road race on a bike where you might be climbing up a hill that's that's four minutes 50 long and you've probably got three minutes in you that will be able to keep up with the group. And then from that point on, it's a matter of how mentally tough are you to try and keep that going. And of course, your physiology will probably prevent you from being able to stay with people who are riding at a better level than you, than than you're possibly able to do. But some people mentally can turn themselves inside out in the key moments of some races that's not near the end but but a key moment on a hill like that when you've got a downhill and some flat where the race will slow down again but if you've been gapped on that key moment you're out of the race and so these are key moments where you have to be mentally tough to do whatever it takes to stay with that group or that bunch so that you have one more second left when the next key moment comes do that again and and that gets, you get a lot of confidence from that. And, you know, the next point where when the going gets tough, the tough get going, that's the same thing. It's, they're both the same points of, you know, one more second, you know, now the race is hard. Am I going to be able to stand up and, and be counted when it, when it does matter? And, and they're key moments in every race, whether you're a swimmer, whether you're a rider or whether you're a runner or a triathlete, there are key moments in every race where you're going to be questioned about your ability to stand up when it counts. And, and if you've got the mental toughness to push through, um, then you're, you're going to get that feeling a lot more in your career because you've done it previously. And the more times you actually don't grasp that opportunity and you almost give in, Um, you'll be more likely to do that more often than to push through the pain. And my advice is to practice pushing yourself beyond. And I know your brother Liam is is an example that's the opposite to that. And he sometimes pushes way beyond where I would like him to push so much so that he actually gets so dizzy and passes out. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that that is not what we're saying here. We don't want it to be... No matter what's happening, you will just keep pushing. That's that's sometimes a little bit 
scary decision rather than being mentally tough. So, so we're talking about, you know, it's a fun activity here and it's not meant to be you, you know, running through a brick wall and not worrying about the consequences. Um, we, we do have to look after our health and safety, but we're trying to motivate people to get the best out of themselves without going too far. Yeah, and we heard a great anecdote uh, on the podcast earlier in the year when we had Australian cyclist Kel O'Brien on and he spoke about one of the Spring Classics races, one of his early ones in his career. He was in a break with the likes of Matthew Vanderbilt and some very other world-class riders and he's um, very new on the world tour and he was coming up the top of a climb and he just was struggling to hang on and he kept saying to himself this example of just almost there, just one more pedal, one more pedal and he said every pedal stroke felt like the last one he could do but he, he kept saying to himself, just get there and they crested the climb and the, that was the break that stayed away for the rest of the race, you know. And if he had given up that 10 metres earlier or five metres before the top, he would have missed the break and that was race over for him. And that's just a, a classic example. You did mention the next point, which is when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Is there any more you want to add to that? Because that is a very more traditional kind of mental toughness point where you go, when the race is hardest, who's going to stand up? You know, everyone looks around. Who are, who are the tough nuts that are really going to make it hurt here? And, yeah, and if you know your opposition, you'll know that they're going to be doing it when it when it counts. And the people who are traditionally uh, getting the outcome at the end of the race, um, they're the ones you want to be watching and and try to emulate what they're doing. And you know, get used to that feeling uh, because if it was easy, everybody would be winning. Because there's going to be points where it's not going to be easy, and that's the time when you need to be stand up and be counted. So, you know, that's enough about that topic. And I look. As I said, the only other thing is to not take that to the extreme. The, we said we have six points uh, in the podcast topic and headline, but we're going to do a few bonus ones. And the next one is the will to prepare has to be greater than the will to win. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And it takes a little bit of thought, doesn't it, uh, to what is actually being said here. And if you're so determined to make sure that you're winning, and whether that's finishing on top of the podium or winning as an improvement, um, you have to be willing to do the work. That takes some mental toughness to when the alarm goes off at 4.30 and your, your actual job, you know, everyday job during the week starts at 7 and you have to be off your training bike or running shoes by, by 6.15, which means you have to get up you know, ridiculous hour to get the session in. That's mental toughness. That's, that's a willingness to do the work so that you will get the re- end result of an improved performance on race day or, or the ultimate uh, winning your age group or whatever that may be. But, you know, it, you have to be willing to do that preparation ahead of the, the glory of that, that finishing moment, which is only a moment um, where you've been, you get that satisfaction of achieving the goal that you, that you set out to. And the preparation part is going to allow that finishing part to, to come to fruition and that's the mental toughness is doing the day in day out hard work and and we're all we all love to talk about doing events and what I'm going to do it's the person who wakes up each day and actually gets out there and does it they're the tough ones they're the ones who are actually doing the, doing the hard yards and they're the ones who will be uh, faced be able to uh, achieve the 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 roadblocks that are, are facing them on a, on a daily uh, basis at each race and that's the thing that that I think is is the key to it and if you've got that will to prepare properly you'll have you know an even better uh, ability on the day where it, where it matters to to perform the way you want to this last one uh, it is kind of you know we've we've spoken about both sides of mental toughness here we've spoken about the fact that you kind of want to get to race day and you want to do all these things you've said you want to be in control of your destiny you want to control what you can control when the going gets tough you want to be one of the toughest you know you kind of want to be a bit of an animal 
and and have that confidence in yourself that you know that you can be the one to push through and get the best outcome because that's what you're going to be most proud of. Um, but the opposite side of that spectrum is is not being silly and not being stupid and we're not we're not promoting doing anything dangerous. And this last quote is a bit of a mix of both. And we think it's really important that you have the ability to do both. You know, you have the ability to have a bit of a uh, a psycho mindset where you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the result you want. Um, but you know, we also have seen examples where um, that's not the best case scenario. But this this classic quote of if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, just keep me moving forward. So, what does that mean for you? Yeah, and I have images of you know the early Ironman races with people literally crawling to the finish line and and um, how much attention that performance gained ahead of people you know getting across the finish line in in really good condition and that the person who got to the crawling stage was so mentally tough as compared to the person who got to the finish line in in good shape um but fatigued so you know there is a point where you are pushing your body way past where it should be and it's actually dangerous and detrimental to your health and well-being and that's that's what this quote is kind of saying is okay um and i don't think that's true i think uh, if you've prepared well and you've executed well and your body starts to fail you, you need to listen to that. Um, and that's a mentally tough person as well who's not willing to go beyond um, the limits. And I've been in that situation and ended up in an ambulance and I don't recommend that to anybody. Um, and, you know, there was got to a point where I didn't realize what I was doing. And that's a, a very scary and dangerous position to be in and luckily my brother was at that particular race and was kind of making decisions for me um, but as you know as it turns out I still continued on to the race and got to the finish line and then ended up in the ambulance um, but I don't remember any anything about the last probably 20 minutes of the event and I don't recommend that and I've never let myself get to that position uh, since that day and so you know, being mentally tough is one thing, but that's that's going too far. And, you know, just keep on moving forward. Well, that's actually what I was trying to do that day was just no matter what, I was going to get to the finish line. And you can be so single-minded and, and um, motivated that there's nothing going to stop you, even if you can't even know what you're doing. So it's a very interesting one and one that I, I'm, you know, having experienced it myself, I'm not a... I don't think it was a very wise thing that I did and I don't know how much it, it affected me in the period afterwards. Um, oh, I'll thoughts? put this to you. Yeah, I'll put this to you because you're the one that put this quote in there. So, um, what back in the early days of Ironman, I would guess that because sports science was so new, because the event was so new, I would say that that, that point you made about being well-prepared and, and executing well those factors probably weren't nearly as strong for a lot of the athletes. And so that, that occurrence of crawling to the finish line, I would guess or assume that would happen more because we didn't, you didn't know how to train properly. You know, it was still a lot of guessing back then. It was still a lot of trial and error. Um, and so the body just might not have been adequately prepared. People would, were training just as hard, no doubt about that, um, but just not training as smart is, is what I'm, I'm thinking may have been the case because you just don't see that at the top level anymore. You don't you, – or you rarely see these athletes – pushing their body that far. I think the most recent example might have been the Brownlee brothers um, where the twin brother really literally had to carry him across the line because he pushed himself that far. But, you know, you see athletes are so adequately prepared for these race conditions um, that it comes down to a matter of, of more the mental toughness side where it's it's how much can they hang on to the pace? How much can they just keep moving forward 
when it's tough. So I feel like it's coming from a bit more of a healthier angle now because their bodies are well prepared. Um, but there's other things that you can't, can't can't control, like Kona. You know, weather conditions like the weather could just throw everything out, and and we've seen Christian Blumenfeld just his body's not you know coping with the conditions or the um, requirements of the event, and his body's just cramping. So that's my thoughts on on kind of where that that safety thing comes in, and it's it's not as prevalent anymore. So I don't I don't know what you think about that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree to to a certain extent. Um, I I still feel that uh, most people without the data were still prepared as well as they could possibly be, and I think there's a there's a decision you have to make is what I'm trying to say. Um, there is a point where an, enough is enough, and it's detrimental to continue. Um, and I and I think the preparedness is similar, um, except we didn't have as much information back then as we do now but I think there's no denying that each athlete was training just as hard as they are now um, and they were just as prepared um, and I think the examples of people going way beyond it is still minimal but it's the extreme cases that we all focus on um, when people do start to falter and you know we've seen a fair few Olympic game marathoners coming into the stadium where they're disorientated and they're you know, it's just been that's been quite recent where people have you know made that last lap around the Olympic Stadium with the whole crowd just um, willing them to get to the finish line. And I, you know, it's very admirable that they're they're able to get to the to the finish line, but to do whatever you can to keep moving forward sometimes has its limits, is what I'm trying to say. And I think I'm really a believer of you know if you are not in form on one day and you have to lower your expectations. Then, if you can't fly, then then run. That's what we're trying to say there. Um, you know, pick your battle, sort of thing. And if you, you know, if you're struggling to run, you know, then walk. And 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 what we're saying here is reduce your intensity. We're not actually physically saying, you know, you can fly, then you can run, then you can walk, then you can crawl. That's not. That's just a a saying that it, it's it's you trying to measure your effort and you know just to do everything you can to get to that finish line in as good a shape as you possibly can. And the mental tough part is is you being able to measure that effort so that you do get to the finish line in better shape than than the crawling example and and I think you know I think people interpret this the wrong way I think yeah. we should be thinking of it as a the mentally tougher person is the one who actually slows down and measures their effort better than the person who is just throwing caution to the wind and and just at a bullet a gate like we did in talked about in the first examples and i think that's what i'm trying to get across here yeah you're definitely right i definitely agree with that and there are still examples of this happening and one of the more recent ones i can think of as well is uh the new york marathon this year where one of the brazilian athletes who was a really good runner 204 pb i think um uh ended up collapsing at the 30k mark but uh, again i would say this was very much due to um maybe not mental toughness but he went out in the half marathon and he he almost ran world record half half marathon pace so his execution was so off so that he was pushing himself as hard as he could in the back half but he just got to 30k and couldn't go anymore he's he was a minute ahead of the rest of the field which is just insane for New York standard, um, and I hope I made that point clear when I was when I was talking about the class of Ironman athletes in the nineties, for example. Is that it's definitely not a matter of not training hard enough. You know, everyone was training just as hard as they do now, but the training sports science wasn't there. You know, it's it's developed so much in thirty years that um, that is the key difference. It's definitely not a matter of of willpower or effort. I think it was just people were as prepared as they could be with the knowledge they had, but you lacked data, you lacked power. You know, you just you just cannot possibly um, expect to prepare the same and execute the same without those things that we have now. So any final thoughts on that and, and the topic itself? No, I think it's a really good one uh, to, to discuss because um, it, it gets this 
big macho rap that, you know, how tough are you um, for doing that particular performance in that in- amazing endurance race? And and as a society, I feel like we're just trying to extend the boundaries of what the limits are to the human capabilities. And, and for me, sometimes I'm asking, why would we do that? Why would we go that far to prove our mental toughness or to prove our ability to sustain an effort? Um, I think a lot of the the extreme sports that are out there now are absolutely fantastic for those who have the drive and the ability to do that. Um, it's just something that I think has a limit and I would be shot down in flames with most of the people who think we have no limits and we can we can do some extreme things like 100 Ironmans in a row. Um, you know, I, I would question uh, the reasons as to why that was something that that you would want to do and the people who are doing that have absolutely good reasons for it and and I'm not questioning that but I'm questioning whether that's something I would want to do and and to prove my mental toughness and I, and maybe it's not what they're doing it for they that's just one aspect of it to see um, how much they can sustain their body um, as an endurance athlete so it, it has this topic has a lot uh, to offer and and I want to make the point that you know Mental toughness is to finish is just not about the person who um, perseveres the longest. Uh, there are so many other important uh, ways of measuring how tough your mental uh, fortitude is, uh, rather than a physical a physical uh, exertion. Yeah, that's a great way to finish. And I do love the example of these kind of extreme challenges that people are doing. The yeah, the hundred Ironmans, a hundred days, or um, people you know, Ned Brockman running across Australia. Um, you know, the David Goggins example. And I th- I like his point of he's kind of saying you don't have to be as crazy as me, but he's trying to do crazy things to show you what's possible from the human body. And he does it dangerously. His body has been broken. You know, Ned Brockman couldn't walk for a month or two after those challenges. I don't know how his body is now. I think he's back doing marathons, but you know, you'd be surprised at the long-term effects that you know david goggins went through a period recently where he actually couldn't run he could barely walk probably for a year or two because he's pushed his body that far so this is the dangerous aspect of what you're talking about but it's good to think about to say well is my body capable of maybe more than i'm i'm thinking as am i living myself with with my potential beliefs around my own mindset and what i'm capable of and these people are good examples of that you can push your body far but then we bring it back to also what you're saying and that's um, you don't want to be doing anything dangerous. So, yeah, a bit of a very measured approach from us, which is very typical of us. We, we tend to be quite conservative on this podcast, but I think that's for good reason. And, um, yeah, we, we started, you know, the topic with, you know, some temp- mental toughness quotes to, to trick ourselves, um, but it's not always about that. And it's, it's really understanding and having this balanced approach. And I'm, I'm glad that we have that, that kind of strategy. So, anything else from you? No, I think you've summarized it really well. And uh, for all those people who are being challenged in, in, in their next events, um, you know, the challenge will be more severe if you execute poorly. So my advice is the, the person who's mentally tough to have the patience and the strategies to execute better will be able to, will be able to handle whatever's thrown at them better than the person who, who doesn't have the, the planning to, to actually get the outcome thereafter. And so mental toughness can be measured that way as well. And I think that's a, you know, it, it's very hard when people are passing you at the start of an event to be mentally tough to, to not follow. Um, that's another example of what we're saying. So for those athletes who have listened to this podcast and are thinking about one aspect of mental toughness, think about the others that we've talked about here so that you can still uh, be very satisfied with your performance and, and your um, strength of mind 
um, when you have to make decisions that are going to give you a better outcome. Perfect. And uh, none of this will matter if you don't have your nutrition right. If you don't have your nutrition right, you will not be able to perform no matter how mentally tough you are. So again, 15% off all SIS products at scienceandsport.com.au. The link will be in the description as well as the code Travelo Podcast SIS for the next four weeks only. Thanks very much for listening to this episode and we'll see you on the next one.